Welcome to Making Things Right, an invitation to restoring LGBTQ plus faith. I'm your host, Brian Nitzel. If you're tired of the debates and the division around faith and sexuality, if you're interested in more productive ways to engage and solution together and bridge divides between Christian and LGBTQ plus communities, then I think this is for you. So welcome to the table and welcome to Making Things Right. So today's episode is about crossroads, about navigating turning points in life and faith. And we've all had crossroads where, you know, you get to a point in life where you hit a fork in the road and you look back and you look around and you look ahead to your options, you pray, you ask for advice, and eventually you have to make a decision and put one foot in front of the other. Um, I've certainly had a few of those, and I know you probably have too. Today, we're gonna hear three stories about crossroads, specifically in regards to faith and sexuality. A little bit of my own, but more of a preview, most of the time with two other stories with some dear friends that just happened to be featured uh, in my paper, Making Things Right, both stories are, have a common thread. Uh, they're conservative Christian parents whose kids came out and they had to figure it out. They had to wrestle and respond to that all in the context of their faith and their deep love for their kids. Mm-hmm. No easy task, but both of them figured it out in their own way. And so my first guest today, who just happened to be sitting across the dining room table with me, are Greg and Lynn McDonald. Hey, Greg and Lynn. Hey. Hey. Thanks for having us. So good to have you here. So good to be here. I taught Lynn how to make a a cappuccino today. Well, actually, it's an Americano. It is awesome. (laughs) I'm feeling very spoiled right now. It's, it's, I, if you know anything about me, you know that I have a love for Italy. Mm -hmm. And the last trip I was in Italy, uh, I came home and I said, I don't, I don't want drip coffee anymore. I want that. <laughs> and so my wonderful partner, Dan, did a bunch of research, which he's really good at, and found this amazing coffee maker, amazing grinder, amazing apparatus. And ever since, I do the ceremony of an Italian coffee every morning. So I got to make that for Greg and Lynn. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Perfect cup of coffee. So I was thinking, before we get into your beautiful story and, and what you've learned from that and your just great life... I was reflecting on how we met, and I couldn't remember, um, but I think you remembered. Like, how did, what was our, we've known each other for a few years, but how did we initially meet? Wow, it was uh, several years ago, uh, and I'll never forget it, because uh, I remember Brian distinctly that that evening. We were with <laughs> a group of people. Uh, they were doing a, a, an LGBTQ community were, was doing a, a Bible, Bible study, study yeah. yep. and they had asked us... Chip's to, house, right? At Chip's yeah, house, yeah, house. which is crazy. And they, Chip asked us to come and, and speak and tell our story. And uh, Brian asked a question that was a turning point for me. Hmm. And it, he asked the question, I kind of think exactly how you worded it. 
but it was like... Sure, it was just brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, not necessarily. (laughs) Uh, Do you remember exactly what it was? Yeah, yeah. So we had told our story and kind of how we had come full circle. Yep. And, And you said to Lynn, you said... How did how did you get to that point? Like, wh- what what got you there? And without like thinking, you just said, "The Bible." Oh, that's right. <laughs> and, and and you were like, "The Bible? Wait, really? The Bible right. is what?" <laughs> and I usually is the weapon against us. What are you talking about? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I felt like when with the group that they all these like deer in the headlight. <laughs> they didn't expect look, that answer. We're coming. Yeah, they weren't right. expecting it. I actually wasn't expecting it. Yeah. But when I thought about it, it was a, about the greatest commandment. Yes. And how God calls us to love Him and to love your neighbor as yourself. The second is like it. And that was an aha moment for me. It freed me up that I didn't have to make a choice between my son or my God, that I could love both. Not only could, right. but that I was commanded to do it. Wasn't, right. It wasn't a suggestion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was and like, you say that often, too, in your work, and of like, it, what's your great little tagline, Greg? It's, it's, uh, yeah, well, it's, not, yeah. it's, not, it's not in spite of the Bible, but mm. because of the Bible, exactly. yes. what we yeah. do. And I, yeah. let's, we'll totally dive into that. It's great. So that's how we met. And now... We're on each other's boards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, uh, I, I uh, uh, was a co-founder of an organization called Renovus, which really is focused on LGBTQ individuals and helping them rediscover their relationship with Jesus. And you have founded Embracing the Journey, and we sit on each other's boards and help each other out, which is so great. But why, t- tell us a little bit about um, Embracing the journey, like the, the ministry, what you do, who you serve. Tell yeah. us about that. Yeah. So we, uh, we actually founded it, I want to say about six and a half years ago. And um, so it came about through, uh, actually, our pastor, uh, a guy named Andy Stanley, um, was doing a sermon series, and our small group was uh, doing a study with him. And at the end of the series, he asked the question, he said, what breaks your heart? And Lynn turned to me, I turned to her, and we both said, oh my gosh, it's, it's the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, <clears throat> what, what I'm referring to is that by this stage in our life, you know, we had been 14 years on a journey uh, since we learned that our son Greg Jr. was gay. And during that time, we've just seen oh, dozens and dozens and dozens of families torn apart in the name of God. Mm. And it just it just broke our heart. Yeah, yeah. And and that became again another one of those turning points, kind of fork in the road for us. Yeah. <clears throat> where we just decided, hey, you know what? Um, we really feel like this is a calling, hmm. and so we kind of quit our <laughs> day our, job, our day jobs, and, <laughs> and we just uh, dove in face first in the in the deep end of the pool. We've That's been there since. So. so great, and all of that was birthed from the story of Greg Jr. and your son. Yeah. So let's unpack that a little bit this morning, if you like. Um, start where you like, but maybe start from, you know, I know enough about your story. Um, I'll probably learn some new things today, but just, you know, start from the beginning before you had wherever you'd like to start, but where were you at before you found out, et cetera, and just kind of go from there. So starting at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
you know, we're in the delivery room. And no, I'm, just, 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 just. I'm like, really? <laughs> so um, uh, when Greg Jr. was 17, we, um, uh, I had uh, stumbled into um, some pornography on his computer. Okay. And uh, the, the, the pornography was uh, gay porn. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so that's um, when, we, when it was kind of confirmed that Greg Jr. was gay. I say confirmed. Um, so Lynn and I were uh, 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 high school sweethearts. Well, actually, we met in junior high, mm. got married right out of high school. I just learned today that you are, have been married how long? Uh, 44 years uh, this fall. Amazing. And if you listeners were looking at these kids, you would never <laughs> guess that it's possible. They've been married 44 years. <laughs> That's what happens when you you're the prettiest 60-somethings I've ever met. <laughs> I digress. Back to your story. Sorry. Yeah. So anyways... Um, uh, you know, when, uh, when Greg Jr. was young, mm-hmm. um, we were, uh, at, at the time we were doing some marriage counseling and, uh, our counselor just finished up uh, a session with us, uh, in Detroit, Michigan. And before we left, they said, Hey Kelly, I said, I got, I have a question for you. I said, is it possible that our son, like at an, at an early age could be wrestling with, well, uh, you know, kind of, uh, homosexuality. <laughs> you got to remember, this is, goes back to, you know, it's now, what, 17 years ago. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. It's a long time ago. But anyways, um, she says, well, sure. She says, how old is he? And I said, well, he's, he's um, three and a half. Mm-hmm. And she said, wow, that's pretty young. And um, so anyways, long story short, they, they did, um, um, what did they call it? Family um, observation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they observed us as a family. Huh. And, uh, and after doing that, uh, they, their conclusion was that, you know, he's going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. He has loving, caring, uh, Christian, heterosexual parents, and he'll <laughs> model be, how life should yeah, be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he'll exactly. be he'll be just fine. And yeah. besides that, eventually, um, peer pressure would straighten him out, anyways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pardon the pun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, uh, so even though it was he was seventeen when we learned he was gay, mm-hmm. we had suspected it many many years mm-hmm. prior to that. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Did you? Uh, <laughs> I am putting myself in the shoes of a 17-year-old boy whose dad finds porn on the computer. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) But how, like, obviously you probably came to him. Like, how did that initial conversation happen with him? Where did it kind of go from there as far as him Mm. being honest about that or whatever? And more importantly, like, how did, yeah, how did you respond and react to him and and vice versa? Uh, Well, we told him that we wanted to have a conversation (laughs) with him. And uh, that he needed to be home that evening. (laughs) And so we went out. We were actually out on the deck and just sitting. And Greg asked him, you know. Actually, what my recall was I told him what I had found. Right. Yeah. um, But I didn't stop there. I went on to explain to him. But his response was, oh, he kind of hung his head and he said, I knew this day would come. I just always hoped it wasn't until after I was out of college. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was not on his timing or terms, was it? Right. Yeah. Right. At that age, did he have a sense that he was gay or did he consider it a struggle or what did he call it at 17 years old? Actually, at that particular time, he was saying that he was bi. Okay. And in further conversations with him, you know, later on, he said... I just said that. Mm-hmm. I, I knew I was gay. Mm-hmm. 
but I wanted, you know, I didn't want to fully disclose that. Absolutely. To you or to himself, do you think? I, the reason I to say me. that is, okay, to you. Yeah, not, not to himself. I know mm-hmm. that sometimes that can be. But so that was softening the blow message to you, but yes. in his heart, he knew that sure. he was gay. Yeah. But the problem with his answer there was that it somehow gave me hope. Mm. I was like, oh, okay, you're bi. All right, we can get through this. Right, right, Because. Right. 50-50 chance, you will choose a woman. So we'll just start praying for a really great gal to come into your life yeah. that you love. That's very interesting. And and so go with that for a second, because um, in uh, in my paper, I refer to how you called yourself kind of, I might be skipping ahead in the story here, That's sorry, okay. but referred yourself to Bible bashing mama. Like you, once you got enough information here, you kind of took it upon yourself of what your job was from there. Mm -hmm. Uh, What did that look like with Greg and with his friends? Exactly. Well, um, I thought I had a project on my hands. Yeah. And uh, and I thought, well, you know, Greg went to Christian schools. He, I didn't realize the amount of studying that he did with studying the Bible. Hmm. He knew how to debate this issue. And so we did. We debated it hard. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he had his view, I had mine. uh, And, uh, you know, again, as a 17-year-old, you know, he was was cautious because he was still under our roof. And and so um, we ended up just you know, thinking and praying that the Lord would bring a godly woman into his life hmm. that he would love. But when that didn't happen and he brought around his friends, his guy friends, um, I thought, okay, well, you know, maybe God wants me to evangelize these kids. Mm-hmm. You know, they need Jesus. And if they know what the Bible says, well, certainly they won't, they won't yeah. be same-sex attracted anymore. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I, if I can digress a little bit, it wasn't quite as calm as what <laughs> Lynn was referring to. So you know, early on, I set a tone that was not positive. Mm. So I, I told during that discussion with Greg, um, I said, you know, listen, you need to understand your life as you know it is over. Mm. <laughs> and and I said, you're grounded. Mm. Not because he was gay, but in our mind, it was a live omission. You made us believe, you led us to believe you were straight, mm. but all along you knew differently, right? And of course, at the time, we had no idea that that really wasn't the case. What mm-hmm. the case was, was that he knew that we weren't safe. And so if you're not safe, hey, the last thing you're going to do is talk to your folks. Totally. And, and as you know, so you know, so many um, LGBTQ individuals, when they do come out, especially from conservative Christian backgrounds, um, they end up um, with, you know, being kicked out of their homes. And, you know, I mean, uh, there's 950 LGBTQ youths that are going to sleep homeless tonight in Atlanta hmm. um, who've been kicked out of their homes. Hmm. Many of them out of their Christian homes. Mm-hmm. 
And um, so, and, and I also made it clear to Greg on that conversation that we need to get you fixed were the words I said. And those yeah, were the yeah. words I wish, like a fishing rod, I wish I could reel them back. back in, but you can't. Once they so leave what, was, what was going on? I want to I wanna ask you kind of how Greg eventually responded to that, um, just sort of the next chapter, I guess, of your story. But what was, can you remember what was going on for you at the time? What was your initial fear? Was it fear that he was thinking wrong and you needed to help him be right? Was it, was it your loss of uh, hopes for him to have a wife and kids and be happy like you? Like, what was the initial... Yes. <laughs> All of the above, right? What was your reactions that caused you to communicate with him the way you did out of the gates? I, I grieved. Mm. I grieved, um, boy, for a long, long time. Time. I, I grieved that what I thought my family looked like mm-hmm. doesn't look like that anymore, and you know that I'm not going to have grandkids. Mm. That I'm not. Um, which I don't know. I mean, I still may have grandkids. Yeah, but <laughs> at the time it didn't feel like right. it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yep. And also, uh, if I'm really honest here, I really was thinking about how other people thought of me. Yeah, sure. Was I a bad mom? Was I too possessive? And then I started to blame Greg, you know. Greg, you weren't there Greg for him. Greg, Greg Senior, I'm sorry. Right. Yeah, Greg yes, the yes, dad. Yes. And so um, that caused a lot of conflict, and it was a very stressful time in our life. In fact, it, it got to a point where with Greg Jr., um, I could barely have a conversation with him. I also grieve the fact that, oh, my gosh, is this something that's going to cause him to not be able to go to heaven? Right. Mm-hmm. Because of the messages that, you know, that I've heard. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a, there's a, so if you can picture this, right? So for most, most uh, LGBTQ individuals, when they're uh, growing up and they're, they're just processing, right? And they, they may know something's different about themselves. Eventually they figure out what it is. And by the time they come out, they, most, most people we know have spent a fair amount of time processing this. When mom and dad get the news, like it flashes in front of them like that, yeah, and it's like whoa, and your you know, your eyes kind of get peeled back, and there, and there is this you know, <clears throat> um, um, uh, just this huge loss immediately of hopes, dreams, aspirations for your in a your moment kid, right? Mm-hmm. And there's there's and so what we were taught as Christians back in the 80s, was that being uh, gay was a choice, right? People focus on the family, man. They push that hard. And and we believe that. Mm-hmm. And so then the immediate you know, processing as a dad is, hey, you're making a really bad decision here. And decisions carry consequences. Mm-hmm. And this one carries big consequences, right? Mm-hmm. You could become the victim of a hate crime. You're going to give up your rights. You know, you, you know, you're going to, this is going to be a very tough life because you're making a bad choice. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, and, and if that's true, right, then 
oh, by the way, what about us? What about our hopes, our dreams? What, yeah, we wanted yeah. to see you get married. We, right, all that stuff. And what about our family's good name? What about my reputation? Mm-hmm. That stuff happens with parents all the time. Mm-hmm. And you know, we, we've walked with over a thousand Christian parents. I say walked with, walked with, cried with, prayed with. You know, we 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 journey with folks. Yeah, yeah. And that's just a very very common occurrence. And even just that dynamic of Greg. And I think of myself before I came out or, you know, had this conversation with my parents in a new way, but I had all this time to think about it and process it. And then I bring it to them and it's kind of, I mean, not that you weren't aware maybe of things, but it's sort of day one that your kid is thinking about this differently than you are. Sure. Yeah. It's really. And you know, Brian, it, you know, it's, it's really sort of sad because I was anything but compassionate. Right. Oh, yeah. It wasn't like going, oh my gosh, what was it like, honey, to grow up in our household? I mean, we told you to turn off, um, what was the show, Grace? Uh, um, <laughs> oh, what was that show? Oh, shoot. Will and Grace. Will yes, Will and Grace. Will and, Don't watch Will and, that. That'll right? influence you. Exactly. Yes, yes. Turn that off. <laughs> so, and, you know. Stay and, in the bubble. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like somehow that Yeah, would but you would him. think, yeah, I remember having that response with my mother. Yeah. Did and you? a dear woman, Stephanie Nitzel. And when I, and she had known my whole story, um, which I won't go into that, but basically most of my adult life I lived not as gay, you know, because I didn't, I didn't have my... Uh, peace right. with God about that, right? <clears throat> mm-hmm. But eventually I did get to a point where I had, where I knew God's blessing as a mm-hmm. gay Christian man. And so by the time when I came to my mom to tell her that information, because I had a relationship in my life and I'm like, well, gosh, I can't hide this much longer, right. you know? Right. And she, she had, she's never been anything but loving and engaged and empathic and compassionate. Mm-hmm. And that's just who she is. Mm. And her initial response was like she was a whole other person. Yeah. Good news is, is that God, I think, kind of protected me at that moment because I yeah. sort of knew this wasn't my mom. Mm-hmm. And yeah. eventually she absolutely came back around to being who she is. But right. that initial reaction was just so yeah. in her face that she didn't know what to do other than to flip into, well, this is wrong. We have to fix this. And what are you thinking? And right. you're not going to go to heaven and da, da 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 I've never even heard words like that out of her right. mouth. She probably never even heard words like that out of her mouth. And as you a know, parent... Well, go ahead. Oh, and a, as a parent, as a mom, you know, you you do. You, you think about nurturing your child yeah. and so on and so forth. And you would immediately go to that moment. But w- what was funny was um, when Greg and I wrote our book, uh, we would have conversations with Greg Jr. And one of the conversations that just came out like five years ago was, you know, I remember, Greg, when you were like eight or nine years old and you were in your bedroom and uh, you would always, you know, you'd wake up maybe two, twice a week Mm -hmm. crying. And dad and I would take turns to come down and, and, um, we would say, you know, what's the matter, buddy? What's going on? And and you would say, I don't want to grow up. Hmm. And and we would say, I, I thought it was the Toys R Us commercial at the time <laughs> that he didn't want to be. <laughs> he didn't want to grow up because I thought <laughs> too, much, exactly. too much. Too much TV. I was like, too much TV. We got to turn yeah. that yeah. off. Poor company go bankrupt. <laughs> I know, yeah. I know. Well, so, but but what but was I, it? I, re- I remember those saying. Greg, it's okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. you had a long time before you grew right, up. And, oh, right. by the way, by the time you do, it's going to be so good. Like, you know, 
you're going to have, there's cars and motorcycles, so many fun things laying in front of you, right? Yeah. Like, don't worry about it. It's going to be awesome. And, um, but it, it, this went on, you know, week after week, month after month, I think even for some years, it mm. went on for a long time. Long time. And, and he never shared it with us. Mm. It breaks Until we were my heart we were now. the book, right? Um, that he didn't feel like he could talk about it with you. No. Yeah. And I didn't, we didn't realize that he, he went to a Christian school and the kids on the bus would call him gay. And he didn't know what that meant. And many other slurs. And, uh, and so we asked one of the older kids. Because it still breaks my heart. He asked one of the older kids what that meant. And he didn't want to be that. Mm. It's so... He would wake up crying. Mm-hmm. And so, and I, what breaks my heart is I wasn't there for yeah, him. Yeah. I wasn't there for You know, Lynn, going back, you said earlier that um, you weren't very compassionate. And um, uh, it's, it's interesting. So, <clears throat> some parents, when we hear the news, we respond the way that Lynn and I did. Other parents get to that exact fork on the road. And so we, we turned left and went east, right? Other p- parents get to that point, and they turn right and head west. And it sounds more like this. It says, Johnny, are you telling me that this wasn't a choice? You want me to believe that God made you like this? Well, let's assume for a moment that, if nothing else, he allowed you to be made like this, right? In which case, oh, my gosh, Johnny, what was it like growing up in our household? Johnny, what was it like processing all that on your own? Johnny, how can I help? Hug, 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 right? And and so folks that travel that road have an entirely different outcome mm. than we did. You know, um, Lynn had learned to weaponize the Bible. It wasn't intentional, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> I think it was just... It's like you felt like that's what you were supposed to do. Yeah, it's like, yep. somehow, yeah. it's like somehow God's Holy Spirit needed our help to convict <laughs> our child that he was wrong, right? <laughs> and that's kind of crazy, but that's our behavior said that's what happened. Well, and, here's the good news, and let's fast forward a little bit yeah. in the story, because sure. you didn't stay there. No. And I don't think you even stayed there for very long. So fast forward to... What I remember you telling me is Greg eventually wasn't really interested in, you know, your unsolicited advice and scriptures and eventually stopped coming around. Right. It created a gap between the two of you. um, And and eventually that absence, my understanding, has made you stop and go, okay, hold on a second. (laughs) Right. We have a choice here. Talk about that. Right. Well, it was actually a conversation that Greg Jr. had with his dad. So I'll let Greg. Yeah. So during those times, um, uh, uh, Greg would come by with, he, he would drive from Chicago over to uh, northern Michigan to hang out with us on weekends. And, mm-hmm. and, um, but he, he would routinely come to me and say, Dad, if you don't get a handle on Mom, like, well, I'm not coming around. So he kept, he, kept, he kept warning us, kept throwing out the caution mm-hmm. flag. And then when he did stop coming around um, and kind of went silent on us, it became crystal clear to us that we had lost voice. We had lost influence in the very son who I would give my life for, right? I would throw myself in front of a bus for Greg. Um, but now we had no influence in his life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and 
it was during that time we ended up doing a little study. It's kind of a fun study, and it's it, it's not real intense. But we just spent some time in the Gospels, and we looked at Jesus, and, and we really looked at three or four things. We looked at one, who did he say he was? That's that's very important. Two, who did he hang out with? And three, how did he treat people? And maybe four, finally, what did he have to say, mm-hmm. right? And what we learned, in, and again, short, short period of time, was if Jesus was due north, like we were due south, mm-hmm. right? We, we were well-intended, you know, we loved Jesus, but oh my gosh, we were not doing a very good job of imitating Jesus, mm-hmm. right? The Bible calls us to be imitators of Christ, to emulate yeah, yeah. him. We missed so the mark. When did you start re-engaging uh, Greg Jr. with this new enlightenment yeah. <laughs> about heading north versus south. Well, I, I, I remember um, apologizing to him. Yeah. And and just, you know, communicating that, hey, it was clear that we, I specifically, had done and said things that I so regretted wow. and that I had inflicted harm on him and uh, and asked for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And um, you and know, I did too. Mm-hmm. I, I And I probably needed... To ask for forgiveness even more than you did. Well, and Greg, Greg was so grace-filled. I mean, he just like, boom, absolutely. And we told him that wow. we're, we're done trying to change you. We just want to love you just mm. as you are. And I think, I think it's kind of funny because it's like his head was nodding like, yeah, I hear you. But it's still like, <laughs> you look a lot like mom and dad. You sound like mom and dad. Yeah, yeah. Who and, are and, these people and what did you do with my yeah. parents? Yeah. So he, he, he kept to- us at arm's length for... I'd say the better part of a couple of years yeah. and slowly he allowed us back into his life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that isn't what really changed me. I mean, mm. I wanted to have a relationship with my son. Sure. But again, it goes back to the Bible. Yes. It was about, I, I was thinking, you know, I'm, I need to change my son and his thinking. And what God was doing was he's cha- he was changing You're Greg's changing your heart. daddy heart. and dad, <laughs> Greg's senior. See. And in myself, yeah. art. and and when I saw that and how it just was, it, God just opened my eyes to the really unconditional love that He has for us. Right, right. And and so I, I again, I don't want to be the person I, I was. Yeah. I, I'm so glad that God has us now. Um, helping other parents. Not that you have it all figured out. No. It's not like you have to have it all figured out to love your child and love God. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a process. Mm-hmm. And it's always about going back to Jesus. Just keep going to Jesus, asking him for his direction, and, and he will, he'll show you how, how to live, what yep. what he's going to reveal to you. That was my North Star, too. I remember when I was wrestling to reconcile my faith and my beliefs and my sexuality. And I actually went to the Bible and I went where you think I would go, right? Those six or seven verses that specifically address homosexuality and to unpack that. And it didn't work for me. And then I really felt like God led me back to the book of John, like you were talking about, Greg, and just looking at the life of Jesus and who he was and I really got convinced in a new way of like the heart of the gospel, mm-hmm. like where God just was like, we're good, like we're good, yeah. like relax, we're good, you know? And that helps me sort of make sense of the other verses, if you will, because I understood the heart of God and the heart of the gospel. Sure. You know? And, you know, meeting people like you, Brian, 
um, like that night when we did. And yeah. It was like, I don't know. There was a lot. 30, yeah. 40 people there. Yeah, sitting on the floor. Yeah, all yeah. LGBTQ yeah. people and having conversations with them and their desire hmm. um, to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. And hearing stories, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Breaks down a lot of stereotypes yeah. in the moment, doesn't does. it? It yep. does, mm-hmm. and I just fell in love mm-hmm. with all of you. And yeah. it also broke my heart that evening because I never talked to a group of LGBTQ people. So good. And if um, I would imagine that there's a, some people listening that would love to reach out to you. So like how... Um, what, how, if a parent or a family member comes to you, what does that, what does that look like? Sure. We, we hear from parents every day. And, um, so the best way to get us is, uh, through our website, which is www.embracingthejourney.org, all one word. Yep. And, um, and you can just click contact and, and, uh, uh, you just send us an email and we will get in touch in, in person with you and would love to, um, help you on this journey. So yeah. thank you, thank you, thank you guys so oh, much. It's a pleasure to, pleasure to be here. I love remembering um, just how we met and the commonalities in our story, and just and both of you, you're so interesting because you're you're like you're almost like two sides of the same coin. Um, I love your conviction, Greg, uh, and I just love your deep compassion, Lynn, and you both just together do that so well. Mm-hmm. So, so if you're listening and you need some support, um, definitely reach out to Greg yeah. and Lynn. Please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Yes. Don't do this alone. All right. So I loved Greg and Lynn's story. We've been friends for years, uh, as we talked about, and that was just so great to have them here at my dining room table to hear about their crossroads and their how they navigated um, uh, their relationship with their son and their relationship with God. Um, I, I, I've had my crossroads. Um, I'm not going to go there today. I kind of wanted to give more time for Greg and Lynn and my next guest, who's also a longtime friend of mine. But I've definitely had my crossroads. Um, when I think about my life um, and as it relates to my faith and my sexuality, I sort of have kind of three chapters of my life if you will. I talk about this in my white paper a little bit. Chapter one, I I didn't have it figured out. I didn't have my faith and my sexuality reconciled. I really felt like for most of my adult life, like the best way that I could honor God um, with my sexuality was to not act on it, you know? And I I don't think I did that because I was uh, out of fear. I did it out of fidelity for my relationship with God. Like it was that was the most important thing to me, and I felt like that was the right thing to do. But chapter two is, I. long story short, I met a guy, I fell in love, and I really hadn't planned on that. And it really caused me to have to put on my big boy pants with God, if you will, and, and have new conversations uh, because I, I, didn't, I didn't just want his tolerance, I wanted his blessing. And I needed to lean into that with God and figure this out with him. You know, he knew my heart. He knew I was torn. He knew I wanted to do the right thing. Um, And I wrestled for a good couple of years with God at that crossroads. But eventually, um, I found my peace with him. Uh, A lot of it was reading the Bible, as Lynn was talking about, but it wasn't the verses you would think. 
It was right in the heart of the Gospel of John where I really saw the life of Jesus anew and just just the heart of God and who God is through Jesus. And I just felt deep in my being God saying, we're good. Don't worry. Be you. Go live your life and serve others. And don't worry about this so much. Don't think you have to have it all figured out. And that's when uh, my wrestling with God ceased. And, and I felt like he just really released me to be all of me. And so chapter three is today, and I, I went down a new path, and I wasn't so sure at first. You're going to hear from Stacy. She has this great quote about uncertainty that I'll try to remember when I'm interviewing her, but if I forget it, she'll tell me. But I stepped out on a new path, and I wasn't so sure, but God went with me every step of the way, and uh, I really haven't looked back since. So if you want to hear more about my story... Um, that's episode two. It's called Three Chapters. And my dear, dear 30-year friend, Sarah, walks through that story with me. And I hope you'll listen to that. But now back to my special guest today. Uh, her name's Stacy Frenis. She lives out in the coolest city in the country, in my opinion, near San Francisco. And we've just been wonderful longtime friends. And she's with me today. Hello, Stacy. Hello, hello, Brian. Oh, Good to goodness. be here with you. And it's three hours earlier in California time, so I appreciate you getting up and getting all pretty and coffeeed up for me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I took my time on the makeup. Thanks yes, for noticing. Yes. And this is a, this is funny because she looks lovely right now. I'm looking at her on Zoom and she's all dialed up. And this is a, a podcast. <laughs> Most people aren't seeing you. <laughs> but oh, she's well. real cute. All right. Well, I, you know, it's funny. We... Uh, so Stacy has a great story, and we'll dive into that in a minute. But just maybe our history a little bit. I was trying to. Uh, do you remember we are Stacy and I are longtime friends. Initially, we wrote songs together. So to put you on the spot, Stacy, do you remember the first song we wrote together? Um, was it <laughs> Worlds Collide? Nope. It was for that record. Uh, in rhythm with you. Close. That was the uh, second one. Oh wait, maybe that. Maybe it was Elijah. No, Canyon. No? Oh, Canyon. The canyon, canyon between Here me and who where you're calling me. me. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that was years ago. You know, I yes. think you're right. It might have been in rhythm with you. Sorry, my memory remembered Canyon. Those were, I think, the first two. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. we did some. But remember the words to Canyon? Uh, no. Um, the Canyon between here and where you're calling me. Seems so wide, oh, looks so deep, looks so deep. But I know that I can't stay. Yeah, to be all that you're calling me to be. Canyons wide, but hope runs deep tonight. Oh, I just got Remember? goosebumps. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I was, I was a, uh, um, we, uh, I write a really great ten minute song. And so, so I have to work with people like Stacy that can take my really long journal entries. That's how I write. Like I write these long things about God and life and faith. And then she packages it down to a really cool little song. I mean, you do more than that, but that's what I needed in Stacy. I needed a co-writer and that's how we met, right? It is. It, it was uh, so fun. It was really fun. I remember, I think it was Nate that Nate Sabin that kind of connected yes. us because he was producing your record at the time. And mm -hmm. it seemed like such a cool challenge to really take these very deep, heartfelt lyrics, really poems, lyrics that you had journaled and, you know, shape them into, yeah, a three minute 
song, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> it, was it was fun. A wonderful process. And I got and to know your heart that way. I think it was yeah. such a unique way to, to enter a friendship. Like here I am reading your deepest thoughts in these journal entries and going, Oh my word. By the time I, we wrote the song, I felt like I really, I knew you in, mm. in such a, a uniquely um, intimate way in, mm. emotionally. It was, it was a lovely, yeah, a lovely season. Mm-hmm. That's great. And that's how we met. And that's really when I, I learned the art of collaboration there. Like, I just felt like after that, I didn't ever want to write a song by myself again. It's like one plus one equals three. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's great. So tell us about your life and your family. Well, we were uh, a very, um, probably somewhat typical uh, church-going evangelical family, um, and maybe even sort of on steroids, if you will, because we were in ministry. I mean, we, yeah, my husband yep. and I had been in ministry since we got married and we had done youth ministry, music ministry. We were worship leaders. I was a performing artist at, in evangelical spaces every single weekend. I was on stages in front of people and, you know, kind of at the height of that, when my career was really rolling along and, and doing well, uh, Abe and I were traveling a lot together doing music. My kids were growing up and becoming teenagers and really smack dab in the middle of that. Um, I took my daughter to school one day as a 16 year old junior in high school. And mm-hmm. she tearfully um, revealed to me in a very difficult conversation that um, she had just broken up with a girlfriend mm. and she was heartbroken. She was sobbing inconsolably. And that was the first time, right? That you had ever heard those words from her lips, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And um, the conversation ended in her, you know, telling me the full truth of mom, I'm gay. And it was, um, oh. it could not have come at, as more of a surprise to me. I honestly had no context for it in my brain, in my heart, in my faith. Mm-hmm. I didn't know where to put it. Mm-hmm. I remember though, in that, and I talk about this a little bit um, in the paper. And I remember, um, I remember when I was writing, making things right. And I got to this section uh, and if you haven't read it, basically, I have this sort of suggested process, if you will. I'm a process geek of if you want to lean into this topic a little bit differently and think about um, what you and what God thinks about how to make things right with the LGBTQ plus community, I propose this sort of path. And the first step is to know people's stories. And then the second step is to, okay, now that you know that story, how do you respond to that? How do you navigate, you know? Uh, uh, schisms between your faith and your belief system. And and I totally had a writer's block. I didn't even know what I was doing. Like I just, I was writing so great up to that point. And then I'm like, I have no idea what I'm talking about here, or I need some help. And I remember just telling you, hey, can I talk to you about your crossroads or your turning points of whatever? I'm sitting here reading your book and I need help, you know? And, and we just started uh, and, and we talked that day and that ended up helping informing my writing and brought us to here, of course. But I remember in that moment, you said something about, even though when she came out to you in that moment, you felt, uh, and you finished the sentence, but you felt like you needed to just, everything that was swirling in your brain at the time of your questions, concerns, you had to put that on the shelf. Because in that moment, you felt or recognize probably the weight that had been on her shoulders for so many years. And it was unbearable for you, uh, 
not unthinkable for you to bear that on her own. Yeah, it really was. That was a moment that I think helped me um, choose to just get on her side right away rather than get on the side of my arguments and my questions. It was um, recognizing that this girl had been carrying this secret for probably years and the fear of telling me the shame of not knowing how to talk to us about it. All of those things. I I just felt like a physical weight on my chest when it finally came off her chest, I felt it and thought all of my questions can wait for now. She needs to know that she's not alone anymore in this. She, she needs to know that I'm holding it with her. Yeah. 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 Thank goodness that you were able to have that response in the moment. Truly, because I I feel like it could have gone another way. It could have gone with me just suddenly launching into a million questions and a million doubts, and it and it it didn't. And it, you know, I, I often wonder what it is in that moment that because of course I've talked to other parents over the years. What is it in that moment that you know that um, that kind of nudges a parent toward? more of the rejection, more of the pushing back, more of the, and, um, you know, it just, I didn't go there for whatever reason. I, mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't push back now in the coming you know months or in yes. the following weeks and months, of course, there was some of that as mm-hmm. I, as I did work through my questions, but boy, I, I just knew in that initial moment, she needed to know I was on her side and that we would mm-hmm. get through it together. That's so great. Yeah. And I, I, and that was not Greg and Lynn's story as we just heard. Thankfully though, they came around pretty quick and their, their son had grace for them and they have a beautiful reconciliation and story. So it's different. It's different for all, but I'm just glad it was that way for you and Abby in that moment. It just sort of set the stage, didn't it? It did. And I will say this, that, um, I think we were able to be in that moment together and arrive at that place because we had built a relationship on, you know, we had been communicative and close since she was a little girl. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were bonds of trust between us that allowed that information to be safe, you know? So tell me about those. So thank goodness for that initial moment. Tell me about some of the difficulties though, in the early days with you, but also with your husband, Abe, like your story of him pacing through the night that I talk about in the paper. Oh, such a great story. Like share a little bit of that early season where you two had to wrestle. Yeah, we did wrestle quite a bit because of course we've been brought up with, uh, with this very um, specific, narrow you know, uh, what the Bible says about homosexuality. That was our only context for even talking about this subject. And so to have suddenly the lived experience of a gay teenager in your home was just this kind of, uh, it, it, you know, all I can say is that we, we just, our hearts just kept getting kind of expanded, you know, more and more with the, this, um, the reality of who Abby was in our life. Um, but also it was conflicted, conflicting all the time with sure. what we'd been taught and with what we had, you know, with what our biases were, our stere- the stereotypes we'd grown up with. Um, you know, both of us grew up as child children of the 70s and 80s and probably could count on one hand the number of gay people we knew or friends mm-hmm. we had that were out and gay. And so we we didn't we didn't have, like I said, um, 
just any context for this other than, like I said, what the Bible said. And so Mm -hmm. early on, there were just, there were just fears, big, big fears about her eternal soul, which, um, you know, it's seems I hear that a lot from parents. Like that's like number one, you know, and there's other issues, but a big thing is like, Oh, are they going to go to heaven? And I remember the, the one night you're speaking of where Abe and I were sitting at the dinner table, Abby was gone. Um, he and I were kind of just getting into this heated discussion about this thing. And I had come, I was beginning to get to this place of like, you know, she's fearfully and wonderfully made. If I believe God, the creator is good. Then God, the creator who is good, makes good things and would not condemn this child for all eternity in hell. And I was trick on you played this. Yeah. Duped me somehow by giving me a child who was gay. Right. And I was just arriving at these places in my thoughts and my heart. And I remember talking through it with Abe and he was just, you know, fighting himself too and saying, well, you can't just pick and choose what you want to believe simply because of, you know, this situation. And, you know, that we can't just make the Bible, what it make it, what we want it to say. And we were just, I, I remember saying to, heading upstairs to bed and just being done with the conversation and saying, well, I think what's, you know, we're, we're going to be really surprised at who ends up or who's not in hell or who ends up in heaven or something like that. You know, and I just kind of stomped up the stairs. And that includes my daughter. I think and that includes my daughter. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and then that night, unbeknownst to me, you know, he didn't come to bed. He, he never went to bed. He never went to sleep. He paced the floors of our living room for hours and hours, he told me later, and just kind of had what I would think of as almost a Jacob wrestling with God moment. You know, mm-hmm. I am not going to let go of you, God, until you, um, until you bring some light and some blessing into this, into the situation. And yes. I think just what, what he landed on that night was not so much all the theological answers, but just this deep gut sense of no one is going to love my daughter more than she is loved in this home. And that is my only job. And if that, if that's all that's come down to comes down to, I can do that. I can do that job. And again, kind of like my revelation or my settling in the car that day, his settling came to, um, I will love my daughter more than she experiences love anywhere else um, outside this house. Wow. And didn't he like, like, he just like announced that to you the next morning. Yeah. So this is what, this is how it's going to be. And, <laughs> you know, that's the kind of person he is. He's just, once he decides, once he shifts and change, he, like, there's no turning back, you know, there yeah. was no doubting, there was no changing, there was no shadowing. It was just that from that on, those were his marching orders from, from that night of, you know, just pacing and coming to that conclusion. And from there, so in reasonably short order, you both had your way of not figuring it all out, but doing a quick reprioritization, right? I guess I would observe, right? You're just like, this is about loving Abby right now. And it is. we'll figure that other stuff out later. Like how, how, how did you, did you figure that other stuff out later and reconcile that personally? Or did that just have less importance and it was just more about loving your kid and it's up to her? Like, how did you, how did you eventually, um, how did you eventually reconcile that for yourself? Yeah. Well, I I did a lot of reading. I did a lot of reading. I mean, you 
you would not believe my Amazon purchase list in those years. You would not believe my <laughs> Barnes and Noble trips in those years. I mean, I spent entire days just hanging out at you know the Barnes and Noble in my neighborhood. I'm I'm a reader. I'm a researcher, and I was determined to um, read other points of view, to have my perspective, have my eyes opened and um, find out what other theologians from other, you know, ecumenical corners were saying about this topic that I had never heard in my evangelical churches. Yep. You just had and your piece. Yep. I just had my piece and I needed to know what others were saying about it. And I, I did, I, I did a ton of reading. I found some communities online that were incredibly helpful. I found some mom groups, um, you know, moms of LGBTQ kids that, that I could go in and just read and chat and a very private group that I could work things out a little bit with. Mm -hmm. um, and I spent, so I spent a good couple of years um, really deep, deep, deep in research and conversations. And um, then there came a time when I think I had to put the research down and just seek the heart of God and say, you know, because I could, I could get my you know, my spreadsheets and my columns and my this and that all day long. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I, I needed to know God's heart on this. And um, I think much like you, Brian, I came to this very deep knowing that um, if, you know, if my mother's intuition can tell me that my child is good, just as she is, how much more could, you know, God, the creator... Yes. Uh, be, you know, be in that same space, that same exact um, place of knowing. And I think I saw the trajectory of love throughout scripture. Um, I saw the trajectory of what God's pursuit of us looked like in Jesus, even in the prophets, in all throughout scripture, it's there, the pursuit of God toward his people. And that, um, you know, so somewhere in in there came a knowing beyond words that yeah. my child was good just as she was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. It reminds me of when I was wrestling with just finding my peace around it. And I remember the fears that held me. You know, I can still remember those. I can still touch and taste those. And they're big. I talk about in my paper a little bit, this one table concept and of, uh, you know, how do we all kind of come to the table and solution together um, for the sake of the LGBTQ plus community, you know, uh, in a way that would honor God and honor them. And, and I remembered that uh, um, I had a fella, Ed, who was the editor of my paper. Oh, having a good editor is like money. <laughs> I'm sure you know that. Yes. And he challenged me on this concept of one table saying, well, but people have a lot of hesitations. It's like the kumbaya, kumbaya sounds nice, Brian, but there's some real hesitations. Uh, and, and we dug into that a little bit. My buddy Caleb, who's on this project, he's like, yeah, from the LGBTQ plus standpoint, we don't want to be a project of the church. Right. And then Ed could represent sort of the conservative Christians of like, yeah, we don't want to get this wrong. You know, like we can't afford to get this wrong. And it was just so interesting to, and it makes me remember of those hesitations and how that, that, that's a big deal. It's important to validate that. I don't think it's important for me anyways. And for you, we were in the front row. We had to lean into that, right? We couldn't stay in a fearful place. 
But those fears were big because I didn't want to get it wrong. You know, I really felt like that my salvation was like at risk if I got it wrong. But as I leaned into this and I saw a bigger uh, picture of God's heart, I'm not afraid of that anymore, but I sure used to be. I did too. So the book, Love Makes Room, and I do love the subtitle. I've actually got it sitting right in front of me. It's so cool. You sent me the advanced, I'm sorry, I'm talking like a, a book tour here, but uh, <laughs> advanced reading copy, not for sale. Guess what that means? That means I'm a big deal and I got Special. it before it was released. <laughs> but I love, I mean, love makes room kind of speaks for itself, but also other things I learned when my daughter came out. Um, any, uh, it's so funny. We've been talking for almost a half an hour and it feels like five minutes I can't believe I'm having to wrap this up now. Ah, anyways, but anything else on your mind and on your heart that you would say, um, you kind of know the audience of making things right here, right? And it's a combination of maybe conservative Christians that, that want to lean into this a little better. They may not be in the front row. They may not have a daughter or or they may not be like me, you know, that maybe they're in the second and the third row, but they're kind of tired of the debate and the division, and they're really open to more productive ways to engage um, people here. Um, so any, any, any thoughts there for either parents, that family that are wrestling with this, or even folks that are sort of in the second row? It seems like the folks in the second row who I've been talking to recently do best when they stay open and curious to the stories and experiences of those who are, who are directly, if you, to use your analogy in the front row, Mm -hmm. that is when you listen to stories of LGBTQ folks, when you listen to stories of parents who have, who have come through, have walked through this and who are in this affirming Mm -hmm. place with their child, um, stay open, stay curious and continue to pursue the heart of God because you're not going to find a contradiction in the heart of God. You're going to find harmony. You're going to find, um, you know, I began my search with this great fear that, you know, I had this fierce love for my daughter and this fierce love for my faith. And I thought those two things would be in contradiction, Mm -hmm. but it turns out they were absolutely not in contradiction. So Mm -hmm. don't be afraid to pursue and go hard into your doubts read, pray, pursue God's heart, and listen to people's stories. I love that. This, it's, I, I'm so proud right now, Stacy. Remember like <laughs> three or four years ago, you came to Atlanta to do a concert in my, um, in my loft, and I gathered a lot yeah. of my friends, a lot of which are LGBTQ plus Christians, which most people don't put those two words together, but we exist. Yep. <laughs> um, we really exist. Of course we do. Think about it. But, um, and you were so tender, like baby ally. And she's like, oh my God. Yeah, but you had such a heart to come and sing for my friends and to share your mother's heart and to share what you've learned through Abby and what you've learned about God. But you're like, I don't have the language, Brian. Like, I'm just going to say all the wrong stuff and offend people. But you came anyways and shared your heart. And of course, everybody fell in love with you. And that was sort of the start of you being a little more brave, um, it was it was it was a really helpful and beautiful experience for me to for you to welcome me into your community because i really did feel like 
you know, everybody in this room has more harrowing stories than I'm about to tell, you know, but at the same time, oh my goodness, the conversations afterwards, like how many hugs I got, how many kids telling me, people telling me, um, this is, you know, thank you. Uh, thanking me for sharing my story. So uh, it was a huge moment for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And look at you now. I know. <laughs> Look at you. And, and look at us both now. Yeah, we've had quite we've had quite the journey and it's yes. just been a joy that we've done it together. Agree. If you want to learn more about Stacy, um which I'm sure you do, um how do they do that? They go to stacyfrenis.com, I assume, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything's and pretty your much music's there. there. Is your book there too? Books are there, the music's there. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And also at my website brianitzel.com as well. So well, thank you, thank you, thank you, Stacy. What a treat. Thank you, Brian. You know I love yeah. you. Love you too. Thanks for getting up early for me. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, see ya. Bye-bye. Brian Nitzel is an author, speaker, and thought leader. To learn more, visit briannitzel.com or follow him on Instagram at Brian Nitzel.